And I just want to encourage you this day. I, I just really um, wanted to, even though we're two days away, we will not be having a, a New Year's Eve service. I want you to consider this to be the New Year's Eve service right here. We're just going to celebrate 2018, all that God did in this year, and just celebrate going into a new year today as a church. Amen. Can we do that? So today is his day. Today, I just want to firstly, before I even get into the sermon, just say thank you to God. And I want you to do the same in your heart, even during this sermon. I want the Holy Spirit to start to just show you what he's done in you this year, who's been changed by God this year. I've had so many supernatural things happen this year, and so has this church, and there are many others in this body that aren't here today, but I know their testimonies, and I also know that even hard things that happen, even right in January, you know, we, we, we I lost my grandfather just a week away from now, one year ago, and so the year started off in a way that we don't wish for, but God had many, many, many miracles in store for us, many blessings, and with everything um, that comes, there is always something that God is doing behind the scenes. There's always a way that He is working and pulling it all together. He pulls every single thing together. He pulls every single part together and creates something so amazing that we, we really can't even fathom. That's why the Bible tells us that you really can't even understand. I'm paraphrasing a couple of scriptures, but you can't even understand, even if God could show you what he has in store for you, your mind can understand it. He's got such big things planned for you, and we need to believe it this year. I believe that 2019, just the Lord started showing me just a few things for 2019. As we thank him for 2018, I really believe that 2018 is... is um, that God did some things that he just wants to continue right into 2019. Sometimes there's a break. Sometimes there's a change. God's not a God of years. God is, is beyond our time. And yet um, the Bible says so many times this is the year of the Lord. And the Jewish people celebrated the seventh year. And then, and then um, seven times uh, uh, the 50th year and so on. There was many years. So God's not necessarily a God of 2018 He's not our calendar, and yet at the same time, he is. He's, he understands uh, humanity, he understands our time more than us. I'm making sense. Sorry, I'm talking fast. He's not a God of dates, and yet he, he is still speaking to us because we understand dates. So he speaks in our language that this is a season where we transition, where we start to remember who reflects at the end of the year, who reflects and even creates some resolutions for your next year. So I believe that the Lord really wants to continue to do what he did and started doing in 2018. And, and I feel like the Lord... Uh, started showing me that there were some there were some hard things, and some people haven't even come out of the hard things yet. And so even some people in this body are still facing some trials that they started this year. And I believe that the Lord just wants you to hold on that your trial is is not going to take your whole life, but He's setting up for something greater. In fact, the Lord showed me when I was a kid. Um, when I was uh, between seven and nine, I don't remember the exact year, but I broke my arm and we thought it was sprained. In fact, I rode my bike around and I was in pain, but I was still active in doing. But after a week, it was still in pain. So we went to the doctor and it was actually a hidden break inside. And But it, after seven days, I had already healed. 
Seven days, the bones are already mended together, so who knows what happens next. So the doctor had to crunch, crack, snap that arm back into place. That was fun for me. And uh, the Lord showed me, though, a picture through that story that sometimes um, a breaking comes. Sometimes you're even going through hard things, and we think, man, God, what are you doing to me? But he's actually doing good. My arm is straight now. Uh, there is no, it was no pain after that. The pain was gone. It was a moment of pain. But after that moment, actually, the doctor was doing good to me. Sometimes God is doing good to you, but you just feel the break. You're focused on the break. You're focused on the breakup, the break apart, etc. You can put, you can slip that break as an adjective into your sentence, into your story. But we've had many bad breaks and we think that that's it. We think that God's abandoned us. We think we're in sin. We think that we're in deception. We think the devil's after us and et cetera. You know, some of those things may be the case. I don't encourage you to just immediately think that. I encourage you to go to the Lord, get the Lord's will, seek the Lord's face, find out what's actually happening in your life. And what he's speaking this year is that many of those things were actually setting you up for healing. Many of the breaks that you experienced, many of the hard times and the hardships and things you went through this year were foundations for healing, were actually for your good. Amen. Can anybody be encouraged by that? So the Lord just wants to continue this year into 2019. I really believe, and I believe he, he showed me through the verses, through his, his word, that 2019 is a year of blessing. 2019 can be actually a year of, of both, though. He showed me that 2019 would be a year of two things simultaneously. It'll be a year of judgment and a year of blessing. And basically, the Lord, the, the closer we get to the Lord's coming, and I believe we're close. Who believes we're close? Who believes we're closer today than we were yesterday? I think that a, ch a child can figure that out. We're closer today than we were yesterday. The Lord is bringing us closer, and I believe even closer, I mean, closer than ever, and that's not just common sense. I mean, our, our spirits are starting to feel that. And because of that, uh, the Lord's timeline, some things need to happen, and I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into Revelation today and pro Bible prophecy, but the Lord is will divide. You'll start to see it, and you've already seen it happening in the years, the division from who are not the Lord's and who are the Lord's, and as not to set us apart so that we can be prideful. In fact, just like Christ, who was the Son of God, left the throne of God, became man, but he never put that on anybody, did he? The Bible says that he didn't think of himself as God while he was here on earth, but he humbled himself. He stayed low. So just the opposite will happen as the Lord divides and separates. You will have a heart like Christ, which is compassion, humility, and love for those. But the Lord will do it for good. When the Lord judges, why does he judge? Does he judge to inflict pain? Why does a parent judge a child? <laughs> That's what a parent is doing when a, when a parent disciplines a child. They're bringing them into, their, into judgment. Here's your case, here's the facts, and here's the judgment that I'm going to give to you. And so as parents, just like God, we don't do it so that we can say, okay, now I showed you, I judged you, and now you know who I am. I'm the boss, I'm the parent, you're the kid. That's not the purpose, unless you're sadistic. The purpose of that is to encourage that child. And the child looks at that parent and says, I don't 
see how that's possible right now. Doesn't seem like encouraging to me at all. But it's to encourage what? To encourage you in your sin and, and in your faults? No, to encourage you to do things right. And so I believe that the Lord is going to judge because he's going to expose what he doesn't like. He's going to expose sin. He's going to keep exposing. We've already been seeing that in this nation even. He's going to keep exposing. Uh, things are out of whack inside and outside of the church. But for our good, everybody say for our good. He's going to do it so that then we repent, so that we turn, so that we come into that same blessing that is available for everyone. Did you know that the grace of God, the mercy of God, the favor of God, the blessings of God, the love of God, etc., 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 is available to every single person, man, woman, and child in the entire earth. There is no race to God. There is no nationality to God. There is no better. There is no less. There is no first. There is no last. It all gets mixed up to God said, you want to understand the kingdom? The first will be last. The last will be first. That'll mix it up in your head. The point is that we all, Jew and Gentile, every single person, we all just need one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. We just need his blood, and we need his mercy, and he has freely given it to us, and anyone who calls upon him, the Bible says, will receive it. Anyone who calls upon that mercy, and I'm just astounded who goes through your word sometimes and sees God give a particular person or nation or culture mercy, and you kind of step back and say, God, I'm kind of questioning your, your logic here. Who's ever questioned God's logic of what he gives mercy to a particular person in the Bible? And I was just reading, um, as I'm about to get into what I have here today, I was reading a page before about a character in the Bible named Ahab. Who knows Ahab in the Bible? Now, Ahab was probably one of the worst, most evil kings that ever lived. One of the worst. And a prophet comes to him and says, you know, God's going to judge you. He repents, he humbles himself, and God gives him mercy. And the thing is, if God will give him mercy, if God will give him mercy, Ahab, if God could give him mercy, then anybody on this earth could receive mercy. Because he wasn't just some guy. This is the king of Israel. This was the king who was representing God and living evil. And so if God could give him mercy, he can give anyone mercy. So the point of judgment is not, to, is not the judgment, but is to cause us to turn. When we hear it or we experience it, it's to cause us to come back to him again and say, yes, Lord, forgive me, Lord, I want you. So 2019 is going to be a year of blessing for believers. Those that are on God's side, God has everything for you. Who believes that? Everything is for you. God doesn't hold back. There is nothing that God holds back. Now, again, like I've preached many times, and I don't want to get into this, but don't judge blessing by somebody else. It's not a number amount. It's not a monetary amount. It's not a bank account amount. Blessing of God is a lifestyle that started when you came into Christ and into eternity, and it can look different from every person to every person. Does that make sense? So don't think I'm blessed, they're not blessed, he's blessed, they're blessed. Well, they got more blessing, I've got less blessing. That's ridiculous. That's just the devil trying to create more divisions. But if we are in him, he's going to continue blessing this year. 
He's going to continue blessing. I truly believe that the Lord has brought this nation into a time of blessing. This nation, not just this church, but this nation is in a time of blessing. There are at the same time some judgments happening, isn't there? Some judgments, some things the Lord has been exposing. The Lord's been doing it because it's not just political. I don't want to get political, nor can I up here. But what's been exposed? Really deep, dark, demonic stuff. Really what the, what's been exposed, and it's trying to get brushed under the rug, but is that a lot of the opposing forces are really enwrapped in some deep and dark stuff, devil stuff. And we don't need to get into that today, but the Lord wants to continue to bless you. He wants to continue as long as you keep seeking his face to bless you. And then I was telling Dawn what I was preparing and that I was getting in his word and, and, and that this is what the Lord was showing me. And she had just read in Deuteronomy how the Lord warns that when he starts to bless you, don't forget him, right? What happens in the Bible? Every single time the Lord blesses them, they forget him. He blesses them, they forget him. Then he judges them, then they repent. Then they get back into a place of blessing. Then they forget God. Then they get judged again and so on. So let's just stay in a cycle of blessing, then a cycle of judgment, blessing, judgment, blessing, judgment, blessing. Amen. Does that make sense? And so uh, this year, 2019, I just want you to open your Bible. I have a word that I think is going to bring all this together. Open your Bible to the book of Second Chronicles, and we'll pull that up here on the screen as well. And I want you to learn about a character today. And the Lord uh, just dropped this in my heart, and I really had to kind of go and seek him and search him what he wanted to say specifically. But this character in the Bible, his name is Jehoshaphat. And I just want to just, just teach a little bit about this character. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 that this guy named Jehoshaphat, chapter 17, verse 3, it says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Everybody say, The Lord was with me. The Lord was with this church. The Lord is with us. And why is he with you? There's one reason. The Lord wants to be with everyone. The Lord wants salvation for every single person. Actually, the Bible says that he wants all to be saved. There is no one that the Lord does not want to be saved, but he's with us because he followed the example of his father's early years. And in fact, a more traditional text says that he followed the example of his father. He was a direct descendant of David. He followed the example of his father, David. And he did not worship the, the world. Baal is specifically was a demon god, but really Baal is the picture of flesh, humanism, uh, cult, the cult. He was the cultural god. He was the god of all the surrounding nations. And it was God had separated his people, didn't he? God had called his people out of a nation that worshipped the world and, and the, the moon and the stars and, and, and the, the flesh and the worldliness and called them out into the land of, that would be called Israel. And then these people there are worshipping a similar demon god. And, and many of the people, unfortunately, did turn and start to become worldly. And just it was easier to worship the gods of all the surrounding nations than to be separated and worship God. 
Why is that easy? It's easy because the devil makes it easy to turn from God. The devil makes it really easy to not follow God, doesn't he? The whole world around you, the whole system around you, everything around you is really easy to not worship God. We have to choose to be separated. We have to choose to worship God. Amen. So he chooses, and the Lord is with him. He chooses to follow God. He chooses not to be of this world and to worship the, the worldly things. And it says in verse 4 that he sought his father's God, and he obeyed his commands instead of following. Everybody say, instead. Instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. And this is at the time where Israel and Judah had been divided. Ahab presently is the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And in verse 6, he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Everybody say he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. So the Lord's with him. Because he's following God. He's following what his, his forefathers had taught him instead of what the world says is right and what the world says is wrong. He's following God. God is with him. He's not going to do what they do and not going to be even like his brothers. Israel's his brothers. See, even in the church, even in the church, there is separation. This is biblical. God does it many times, and this is not the last time that God separates from even within your own brothers and sisters. Now, was it Jehoshaphat's job to then uh, elevate himself and tell Israel that he was better than them? Of course not. That is not the purpose. You're not going to get on YouTube and create a channel telling all the other Christians why you're better than them. That's not what God wants. But there is a separation. There is a separation that he is doing. There's a dividing. There's a dividing. There will be the Christian that wants the, really just wants the world. There will be the Christian that you will see that you already know these Christians in your life, and then you shouldn't do anything but pray for them. Everybody say, I'm praying for them. I'm not judging them. Right? We're praying for them. But there will be those in your life that, that those that really just want the world but they come to church, they raise their hands, they, they have a form of godliness, the Bible says, but really they don't know God. And that's sad. That is not something that we, again, I'm saying it repetitively because I really need to pound that in that it is not to elevate or in any way pride, but just the opposite. But there is a separation. Everybody say, there is a separation. All right, there is a remnant of God. There is always a separate. There are those that God has given everything to, but really don't want him. And there are those he's given everything to and then say, yes, Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life and I want to follow you. So in verse 7, in the third year of his reign, he even, not only did he love God and want to know God, but in verse 7, he sent officials to teach all the towns of Judah. And these officials, he names all their names and there in verse 9, they took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and traveled around through all the towns of Judah, teaching the people. So this guy was a separated guy. This guy loved the Lord. This guy wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to live for the Lord. The Lord was with him. The Lord was blessing him. And he wanted his nation. There was a, his nation here. The nation of Judah was being taught the word of the Lord that had been neglected in generations past. His father had started to change some things, his father Asa. But there had been a neglect, as we see here, especially presently in Israel, of the Word of God. 
God had been replaced by a form of godliness, uh, God's name, but all kinds of other mixture. In fact, later on when they go to Babylon, that's what that word means. Babylon just means mixture. It was a mixture of all kinds of stuff, just whatever, whatever you think, whatever works for you, whatever God you want, and that's kind of what was going on. But they sent the word of God around, teaching the people. In verse 10, then the fear of the Lord fell over all the surrounding kingdoms so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. Something begins to happen. And I believe this is what God has already done. This is what God's doing. I believe that this is for this church, but also just speaking this out into the air. I'm just speaking some things also. Sometimes the Lord just tells me to speak some things and some of it's just going out there and you don't necessarily need to understand, but I need to speak it. That the Lord has declared that this is his nation. This is his church. This is his land. And there are simultaneously some judgments and some things the Lord's dealing with, and he will continue to deal with. But the Lord wants to bless when we give ourselves to him. And I believe in this church, that's what this church is doing. That's really what this people here is, is we're saying we want God. We don't have to be here. Many people decide they just don't care about Sunday anymore. I don't care about God. I don't need God. But we have decided that we want him. And not only do we want him, we want to gather willingly together and to worship you, God, together. We want to know your word, and we want the word in everyone's heart. We want the word. And so when that happens, there's a fear of the Lord that begins to come, uh, first of all, in our own hearts. But then what happens is around us, the Lord puts a protection around you. The blood of Jesus, when we get into his blood, his blood is then over us. We walk in his protection. We walk in his grace. We walk in his mercy. We walk in his blessings. Amen. And that's the place that he wants everyone to walk in. Do you know that Israel could have walked in this exact same place? Did you know that at this exact time, Israel was not separated and not un they could have turned and come back at any point? In fact, that's what happens here is Jehoshaphat took the initiative to get this word out into the people's hearts. He didn't have to, but he did that because it was in his own heart, and that's really what starts changing this nation. So it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, um, just to, I just wanted to, before I read the main story here in these last minutes, is that in 2 Chronicles 18, um, he goes and meets with Ahab, and who is the, is the, the king of Israel, as we've said, and uh, they have a banquet together, and he, so he does have peace with him. And in verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 18, Ahab entices him, or he encourages him, let's go to war with one of our enemies, a mutual enemy. So in chapter 18, they gather together, and they're going to go to war with a mutual enemy. And Jehoshaphat replies, of course, you and I are as one, and my troops are your troops. Now, there's other verses and some other things. There's some deep study. You can try to fig you can do that on your own time about Judah and Israel and God's heart. But I did, I was encouraged that this is the, the, the right believer, the believer that is separated. He is a man of God. God's protection is around him. Israel really is in a dangerous place. And yet he still says you and I are as one. 
We as believers, this is a side note, but I've been kind of insinuating this throughout this sermon, that we are one with whatever sect or denomination of Christianity in this world. Maybe they're in a place that, that is not perfect, and God is still bringing them into that, but we are still one, and God still loves them and is calling them closer and deeper as we are. Amen. And so this guy really is a man of God. This guy loves God and has had peace here. And so he says, we'll go to battle. And, but he says in verse 4, it says, but let's first, everybody say, let's first find out what the Lord says. Listen to this man of God. This is a guy that says, what does God want? This is a man, so to really... I started all the way up in verse 1 of 17 because I wanted you just to see the, the intro. And then when we see an intro in the Bible, then God starts to explain why. Why is this guy a man of God? Why am I with this guy? Why is this a guy that really is, is a guy that I'm proud of that is seeking me? And it's, this is his heart. Let's find out what the Lord says. Let's just not do it because we're going to count our men. Let's not go out and just do something for the Lord because we say, well, we have the resources and we have the ability. Let's see what is the Lord's will. As believers, this is one of the things I believe that the Lord is really going to fine-tune this year. As we come into 2019, and I do have just a few points I want to make at the very end of just a few things he said to me for about 2019, but I'm going to preview one of them right now. Am I talking way too fast? I'm just trying to get in a whole bunch of stuff, and I don't want to keep you here really long like I've been doing. So I'm trying to just get that stuff in. Okay, amen. All right. So um, one of the things the Lord said is that he is, there's some things in disorder, and that's in every believer's life. We're in pride if you think you have no disorder in your life, because really until the point of the cross, I mean, until your own physical death, the Lord's refining you. Do you know the Lord's still refining you? He just keeps refining you, because the Bible says that we are actually purified as gold. He actually compares us to the refining process of gold, but see, gold on earth is, is yellow, right? It's a gold color, right? But gold in heaven is transparent. In fact, there was a Christian scientist who just couldn't believe God. He's like, I can't believe the word because the Bible says that they're paved with gold, but it's transparent. That's impossible. Now, today, science has actually increased in the 30 years where he couldn't understand. Science has now proven that if you refine gold long enough, you could actually get gold to be crystal clear. If it could go through a... Uh, process long enough. So the Lord refining us like gold, he doesn't refine you like earthly gold. He refines you like heavenly gold. So you may look really shiny. I mean, there is not one speck. You are, you are the highest carrot, whatever that is. I'm not going to try to tell you. Whatever the highest carrot, the purest carrot is, but you are uh, being refined like the gold of heaven till you are crystal clear. Come on, look at that amazing picture, right? Isn't that incredible? So your conscience is clear. So he is still doing it. And one of the things he's going to bring some things into order, the things that are in disorder into order. And I was going somewhere with that because uh, the Lord's will many times is the last thing we go get when we make decisions. And I really see that the Lord is pressing on my heart for this church that in 2019, his will needs to be first. We, we do it without even realizing, though, and that's why he has grace on us. We're just moving and doing and going and being, right? We're not like, oh, forget God, necessarily. Some people do. I don't believe that we're doing that in this church, but sometimes we're doing all this moving and shaking, we call it, 
right? And then we say, oh, God bless it. Oh, God bless this thing I've built for you. And the Lord may say, I, I never called you to build that. I want to bless it. I want to bless you. But actually, I have to tear it down. We're going to do something different. So this year, I really believe the Lord's going to bring his will, bring his will to the forefront. And that's really before we do anything, we must go find out what the Lord's will is. So that was his heart here. And he goes and he seeks yeah, they, he brings in all the, the prophets. It's most likely in verse 5 when Ahab brings in the prophets that these are like the prophets of Jezebel. It's possible because he says, this guy, these guys come in and they're all prophesying. I don't, we don't know. These guys could have been real prophets or false prophets of Baal because he is in Israel. It's not truly clear. But they tell him, go ahead. But Jehoshaphat says, is there not also a prophet, verse 6, of the Lord here? Is there not also a prophet of the Lord? Now, many times we want to say, let's go get God's will. And then the, just because everybody else says it, four, five hundred prophets, 400 of them here are saying, go for it. 400, but Jehoshaphat's not satisfied. Is there a prophet of the Lord? And that's the type of re, really refined, the type of heart that he wants. I don't want to just, what is the, the church as a whole saying? That's fine. They might be right. If this last prophet agrees with them, then so be it. Let me get the prophet of the Lord to come and say, and, and I don't want to get more into that story. That's a side story. I just wanted to make the point here that he went and said, what is God's will. What does God want? And it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. I want what God wants. So bringing you here to the end here, and we're going to just wrap this right up to the end. In 2 Chronicles 19, we doing okay so far? Amen. All right. So 2 Chronicles 19. Um, um, let's see. Just where I want to bring you so for sake of time. Um, he keeps doing what he's doing. I'm not going to, we don't have time for that. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, just for time. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. Try to say that twice. Three, 10 times fast. <laughs> Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. This guy's a good guy. Ready? Say he was a good guy because he was a God guy. He was a God first guy, right? So this guy in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2, it says, Messengers came and, to hold, and told to hold, and they told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea, and they are already at Hazazon Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. So at some point in his life, an army does come. Now, there was a fear of the Lord around him, but at some point, and you can do your study on why this happened, and if there is an, an answer, but sometimes there isn't an answer. Sometimes these times just come because God wants to be God. And it says in verse 3 that Jehoshaphat was terrified. So we've got a man of God. Everybody say he was blessed by God. I believe that this church has been blessed. I believe that God has blessed this, this nation. He's been blessing his people. And to stay in that blessing, to stay. He was already a blessed man, but he is also a human, <laughs> right? He's blessed him. He's been, God's blessed him, but he's also a human. And he was terrified. And as I've said many times, 
Just because you're afraid, just do it afraid. Just because you have fear doesn't stop us. We don't get, we, doesn't mean you won't experience it. Sometimes as Christians, we think we're super, you know, super, you know, power, human stuff, you know, like from Marvel or something. And it, that's, it's not realistic that you're not going to feel the human emotions. It's what you do with them. You're going to feel fear, but then it says that he begged the Lord, or uh, um, the more traditional text says, and, and you will know this as he went to seek the Lord. Lord, and why did he do this? Because this is already his pattern. Jehoshaphat had a pattern that sought the Lord. When there was anything, any question in his life, this is what he did. He wasn't afraid. He said, let's go attack that army before, right? And that's why I read that story just to show that there was no fear in him. In fact, he was confident. When he was confident, he went to go get the Lord's will. As believers this year, as we go into 2019, some things you're going to be able to do easily, and it may not be the Lord. And some things you're going to be afraid, and the Lord says, I want you to stand and trust me. Okay, amen. We get this. So he was terrified, and he said, I need the Lord's will. Lord, what is your will? What's your heart? I'm going to seek you. And he orders everyone in Judah to begin fasting. The F word of the Bible, right? We don't like that word, fasting. But they begin to fast. So it says in 2 Chronicles uh, verse 4 that all the people... They came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So, and why did all the people, this is amazing. It's not just one godly king, but this nation, really, it takes godly leaders. Did you know you are a godly leader? You are a leader, whether you know it or not. Do you know you're always leading people? Always. You're either leading people towards God or away from God. You are a, uh, an example, no matter where you are, especially when people know you're a Christian. And they're watching you like a hawk. They're watching you, how, you're gonna, how you act, how you talk, and how you react. In fact, reacting is the most important thing that a believer must get in check, is reacting. That's the hardest thing for us, because that's instantaneous. That's the impulse, right? But we must learn that everyone is watching. We're all leading. And this guy led this nation. That's why the nation, had he had, he had caused them to already to seek God. He stood in that gap for them. And that's why each of us, we can stand in the gap for our fellow brothers and sisters and for the unsaved. And then one day when that issue happens, it's not just you coming to pray, but it says all, I thought this was so important that all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. All of them. And it says that he stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. And verse six, it says, he prayed. Believe that the Lord is calling, this is 2019. This is what the Lord's saying. I, I do see on the horizon, on the horizon that we are, we have the potential for great calamity in this nation. But God has been holding it back for many, many, many years, hasn't he? God has been so gracious to us. He's given us grace and grace and grace and mercy and grace and more grace and more grace because many believers have prayed and continued to pray. And the Lord, and I had some multiple confirmations come in, which I don't have time to get into, but multiple confirmations come in these last couple of days to confirm this word that the Lord has been holding back many of the judgments that 
the devil wants to rightfully put on upon us from our sins and from, and from uh, the, the things that this nation has done, but from so much of the prayers of the saints, so many uh, believers gathering continually and believing for this nation and asking the Lord to continue to bless them, the Lord is held back. And so the Lord wants really, he wants to bless you most of all, but sometimes the enemy will rise up again, and I do believe that he's at the gates again today. But the Lord is God. Everybody say the Lord is God, and he has not changed. And it's time that we gather together, and then we fast, and we pray again. And then he made some declarations. He declared, O Lord God, you alone are God in heaven. You're the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You're powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. And he continues just to declare who God is. He knew who God was. He recognized him. And he says in verse 9, whenever we're faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And so he knew who God was, and he knew what to do. God is calling this people here. Listen to me, we are blessed, but we have the blessing of God because we have God. Amen. Because we have God. But if this people, I mean, even this room, you know, it comes down to one because the Bible tells us it does really come down to one person sometimes. The Bible says that Elijah in the book of James was a man just like us. It says he was a human being just like you and I, and one man, he changed the climate, right? He prayed, and it doesn't rain. He prays again, and it does rain. One person. And this group of people, even this church in this room, we can make a difference. We can hold back destruction. We can hold back judgment. We can pray for mercy and grace and for favor for both our brothers and sisters in Christ that are off and for the unsaved. Amen. And I believe that it is actually... Not just that um, I started off nice and soft and sweet, because sometimes I start off hard, then I lose you the whole sermon, so now I'm coming into it at the end on purpose. And the point is that I believe that we are at those, this moment right now, though. It doesn't mean that we're not blessed. Jehoshaphat, I set up the stage that this guy's a blessed guy, and so is the nation. All right, so the Lord's not coming to judge them, but the enemy is coming, and he's going to try. And it's going to come down to what we do in this moment, we can run and forget God or, and, or just go on as usual. And I have, don't have the time. It would be a three-hour Bible study, but his father, Asa, ch- turns to flesh instead of God and actually uh, has some repercussions for that. We don't have time to get into. You can go read that yourself in some chapters back. But he says, all the men, it says that we can cry out and we can, we can come back to you right here, right now, and you will rescue us. And verse 12, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. That is the key. We need to look to the Lord for help. What we need to do as believers in, as we move into 2019 is, is to start calling on the Lord for help. If you have been in a good place like, like they are, uh, here and have been living in that as I have been, just living in the blessing of God and in the grace of God and in the mercy of God, but not to be unaware that there is an enemy at the gates. It's getting quieter now. But our answer is the same answer it's always been. Everybody say it's the same answer that it's always been. 
We've had good life with God because God's been with us because we've been with God. And we need to continue to do the same exact thing right now, which is just keep calling on him. We're not going to change what we've been doing. We need to continue. We cannot get lax now and just start stepping back and just start relaxing. That's exactly what happened to Israel. If you study out their history, one by one, they just started getting lax and thinking that there is no enemy, that, you know, that, oh yeah, God's blessed us. And they slipped into complete deception and ultimately destruction. Actually, ultimately, one day they just disappeared off the earth. You have it in all of your blood somewhere. I do. A little bit of their blood from just being scattered throughout the entire earth. And we're not going to have that happen because we're going to keep seeking him just as we've been seeking him. This is an encouraging word because I'm telling you just to keep doing what you've been doing. Keep seeking God. Keep seeking him. And so they said, uh, let's gather together. Let's, let's pray. Let's seek him. And they do that. And as they're doing that, verse 14, uh, the spirit of the Lord comes on one of the men standing there. And he says, he says in verse 15, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. And this is what I'm telling you today the same way. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Everybody say the battle is not mine. It was never mine. It's the Lord's. And it says, tomorrow, march out against them, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. And it says, verse 17, but you will not even need to fight. Where was their fight? Their fight's already done. They put their faces on the ground. They called a fast. They prayed to the Lord. They sought the Lord, and they the fight, they already turned God's eyes. Okay, I see that situation and I've already got it. The fight's already done. Everybody say the fight is already done. It says, take your positions, then stand still. And there's, you know, I could get into the depths of that and many of you can already see there's some things in here standing. Ephesians 6 just tells us not to fight, but to stand. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, all people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And the Lord has been speaking this, and this is what we need to understand as we begin to seek his will, understand God's will, is that it was never you. It's always God. And whatever we build on our, in our own strength, it, the more you seek God, the more God actually has to rewind and tear all that down. Because it's always God. It's always been God. It's his breath in your lungs. It's his ability. It's his strength. Even your abilities that you have. And you could be like, well, I'm in pride because I'm better than that person because I've got more abilities than them. But God gave you all that. You are nothing and no one without God. And so when we recognize that, the battle's already done. It's already finished. As soon as I've said many times, I need to say it again, that when we get into fear, all it is is telling God and showing the enemy that we don't trust him. Because fear says, how am I going to do this? But we, we feel the emotions of fear, but then we step back and say, well, God's going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I literally can't. When we recognize that you can't, but God can, then strength comes. Amen. So they began... Uh, just quickly, because I want to wrap this up, but what they do is they actually, in verse 18, they bow their face. I just, this is so, so humble, such a posture of humility. They hear the word of the Lord, they bow their face to the ground, and 
all the people, verse 18, they do the same. They begin worshiping. Verse 19, they begin praising. That doesn't mean they played a slow song and then a fast song. Um, This was worship, telling God who he is and honoring him and then praising him and standing up and being excited that God is God and how good he is. And with a very loud shout, and early the next morning, verse 20, that they went out into the wilderness and on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. He tells them, believe in God and you'll be able to stand firm. And then verse 21, it says, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his splendor. What good military king would put his singers in front of their warriors? No one on the earth unless you are absolutely 100% confident that God is God. I mean, this guy, and that's why I had to establish it. I apologize for if it took longer. But to establish that the reason, if I just pulled up this story, then you wouldn't have the back of why he did this. He was a man after God's heart. He was a man of God. He trusted God. And when you trust God, it doesn't matter what I'm starting to even see in the spirit what could be coming against this nation and even against our president and others. It's not, we don't get afraid. I see it. My emotion would be fear. And then I just turn to the Lord. And I believe that we then need to. You don't just say, well, whatever, God's got it and forget it. There's the action. The warrior has already been done. You don't need the the spear. The warrior was that I began to pray, began to seek God, began to fast, which is way more powerful than me marching somewhere. You could march And, you know, maybe that's what God's called a certain group to do, or you can go and seek God and let God march. I'd rather let God march. And I thought this was amazing that they sent the singers, they put the the singers out in front. All the singers in this church said amen, Amen. right? They want to be out in front. Yep, that's great. This army made the king afraid, and now here's the singers walking ahead. And he said, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And it says, this is, the, this is the, where I'm getting to right here, verse 22. At the very moment, or you know it in your, if you have traditional text, it says, when, when, or at the moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. 2019. We're going to get his will. Amen. We're going to get his will for everything in our lives, every moment, every decision, every step, everything in our lives. We're going to find out what he wants. We're going to believe that God is still God. We're going to trust him. We're going to pray for this nation. We're going to pray for this church. We're going to believe that our families are going to be saved. We're going to believe that the sick are going to be healed. We're going to start believing and trusting God as we already have been. Don't want to say that is something condemnation. I did not feel that from the Lord whatsoever, but just to continue what we've been doing because that's exactly the pattern that brings blessing, also brings protection, and it brings right here when we just when we choose to sing and give him praise instead of being afraid. Come on, amen. amen. I don't know what you're going to see in the news in the next weeks, but I do see that there will be an opportunity for fear. I know that from the Lord and from trusted people as well. But as we do, we're going to sing and we're going to give praise because the Lord's not going to let us be touched. 
You need to start singing and praising no matter what you see. We're still in a shutdown, by the way, but we don't even know that because we don't watch the news. I mean, in the same way that we used to, right? We're still in a shutdown, technically. Good Christmas break for them. So I was like, all right, Lord, you gave them a Christmas break. No big deal. When we choose to sing and praise instead, there's no fighting. You don't have to do a fight. In fact, they fight, and then some more fighting happens. The point is, the next verses, they're all gone. Verse 24, there's bodies everywhere. Not a single one had been escaped. In verse 24, it says, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. In verse 25, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to, get, to gather the plunder. So an army of the enemy comes and fort puts itself against God's people. And instead of fear, they do all the, the right things in God the right posture before God, humility and fasting and prayer and seeking him and praying and praising him and so on. And God does it. They didn't even have to raise a sword. And not only that, but it says that they found vast amounts. Everybody say vast. That means a lot. Amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days. So instead of three days of battle... They invested their time into seeking God, into praising God, into worshiping God. You know, you can fight, 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 fight to try to get somewhere in your world. You could fight to try to get some justice and to, and to do something with your enemy. Or you can seek God. And instead of spending time fighting, now they spend three days. Who would like these three days right here? They spent three days just to collect it all. Amazing. Isn't God amazing? And this is what the Lord's word is for 2019. We seek him. You search, I mean, you don't have to try. You're not even looking for it. No one's here searching for the blessing. It just is there because you had the right heart. You go and seek God. You put your face before God. God pushes your, he pushes aside your enemy. And the blessing is right there. There's no fighting, there's no struggling. The fight's already been done, and really the fight was in your flesh, the fear and the worry and the anxiety that you're not doing, but you're seeking him. And finally, it says on the fourth day, they gathered in the valley. They literally named the valley. In Hebrew, it's the word Barakah, which means valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. And they continue praising. Verse 28, they march into Jerusalem with more music and more praise. And when all the surrounding kings, verse 29, heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. And they were at peace in verse 30. The kingdom was at peace. I just want us to stand. And I've already said it. I'll just say these three things. The Lord said 2019, the most important of all, and this will always be my thing for you. If you were to ask me what, what in my life is the Lord saying anything? I would say this every single time, but this is what I'm going to say for 2019, which is fall in love with Jesus. 
in, in 2019, just you got to fall in love with him. When you fall in love with him, then everything else gets into order. That's the second thing. Get any disorder into order and uh, just deal with God, settle any disputes with him and ask him. You got to get his will to sometimes we don't even know what those things are. He will show you. He's going to show you this year and just give it to him. And then finally, the third thing for this year was to believe him for miracles. Just to, as we fall in love with him and we get things into order, then we can really believe him. And there's many, many verses that back that up, that you can then pray and believe God and God will do it. And so with that said, um, I am calling a fast. You do not have to do it in any way. You can do it as light or as great as you want. Um, I will be starting on January 1st. Um, so you can still have your celebration on tomorrow at New Year's Eve, um, a Christian celebration. And on New Year's Day, well, you're well-rested because you had a Christian celebration. Um, I will be fasting, and you can fast along with me. You can just skip a meal a day uh, or push aside things that have taken your heart and distractions. And uh, I'm going to be doing this. I will talk to you about it next Sunday. I'm calling this initial seven-day fast. And then I believe the Lord's probably going to push that longer, but I'm just not going to set those dates yet. But I do encourage us. It's so easy when we're at peace and we have so many good things happening and, and stuff that sometimes we don't see the enemy because it's been so clouded out by so many good things and so many distractions, but he's still out there and we're not going to be afraid. I just want us this week, I want you that, to, to stop and make a point. This is the fast that the Lord wants anyway. It's a heart. He says it's a heart. To stop and make a point, go in your room, take five minutes. Singing songs is not a personality thing. That's a lie from the devil because David's dancing and Solomon's raising his hands and the whole entire community is singing and praising God. So take some time. Go be by yourself if you need to, but sing to him, praise him this week, thank him for what he's done, give him glory all week. Not only do I want you to see that after just seven days, how you will actually, God's going to start revealing even more in your own heart, and you're going to be in a better place with him after seven days already, but also I believe that there are things beyond us even bigger that we must fast and pray simultaneously while you're dealing with you for this nation and specifically for our president. I'm not the only church. In fact, all the way over and, and other countries are coming in that God's been showing believers to really start praying and fasting for him. And I believe, and we've been feeling that and we need to continue. He didn't just get into office and now we can say, okay, let's just take a break. We really need to pray for his protection, but also for his wis for wisdom, put godly counsel around him. And I believe that the Lord's going to continue, not just in these next couple of years, but beyond to bless this nation. But it, it's going to come just as it came with much prayer and fasting. And as we do that, then we can continue to walk in the blessings that God has for us. And there is no fear. There's no fighting. In fact, there's just blessing laying in front of you without even trying because you're seeking God. Amen. So who's excited for 2019? I am. I'm excited. God's got great things for this year. And so, Lord, we just give you glory. We give you praise again, Lord. We thank you as your church, Lord, as your body. We thank you for all that you did this year, Lord, even breaking bones, Lord, even the breaking of bones. 
Lord, to, to further our healing, Lord Jesus. Thank you for everything that we've been through, Lord, to get us to hear. We turn to you again, Lord, and we look to you, and we praise you and give you glory, and I thank you, Lord. You're going to do great and wonderful, mighty things in our lives and through us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.